0: Hello and welcome heroes to the Academy. I am your host Justin. I'm your co-host Brandon. I'm your co-host Ian. This podcast was created to provide you, our heroes, with new and reusable material for both players and DMs. We hope
1: to inspire you with creative content that you can bring with you on your next adventure.
2: Our show may not be suitable for young children, but neither is our D&D games.
1: It is true.
0: This episode is brought to you by our generous Patreon donors. Patreon is a membership platform for creators to build relationships with their most loyal of fans known as patrons. It's a tier-based reward system that allows you to support your favorite creators for as little as $1 a month. In exchange, you are offered exclusive content based on the tier you select. Our most popular tiers are our $3 tier, which is our copper, and our gold tier, which is $10. Um, At the $3 tier, you get all kinds of fat loots, and the biggest one being joining our show live. And then at the $10 tier, I run a game once a month for our patrons. With that being said, I would like to welcome our newest cold-tier patron... Cody Fredrickson we hope you will join one of our uh, upcoming games if you can't afford to become a patron or you don't want to dedicate yourself to a dollar a month there's other ways you can support our show uh, Brandon's uh, full color body art for $20 um, which is a fantastic deal uh, we want to thank you for joining us today here at Crit Academy Studios where everything's made up and your rules don't matter
2: yep that's right your rules like a timekeeper without an hourglass <laughs>
0: Uh, we have a really great show for you guys today. But before we get on to our topics, we like to start the show off on a high note, and we do that by giving away fat loots, compliments of our sponsors.
3: Each episode, we will draw one lucky subscriber's name, and they will win the five-star rated adventure, Banquet of the Damned. Compliments of Goblin Stone. Goblin Stone is a community project for D&D fans based out of the UK. They aim to be a place where you can team up with professionals to turn your ideas into high-quality products and give every fan a chance to get published. Be sure to head over to www.goblinstone.com or you can check out our fellowship link on our website, www.critacademy.com.
0: Brandon, who's our winner today? Our
1: winner today for our first uh, Goblin Stone adventure would be Phantom Enigma 10.
0: Congratulations to Phantom Enigma 10. You are this week's winner. If you enjoy the adventure, please let Goblinstone know by leaving him a review and telling him what you like and what you didn't like to help him improve his product moving forward. We got a really great show for you guys today. Um, we got a question from Charles. Our main topic today we are doing, uh, we are finishing up our Midgar Heroes Handbook class analysis on the wizard, and we've picked only one archetype from the wizard. Because the other one we got, Cobalt Press, has given us um, permission to do a class analysis on one of their deep magic wizard archetypes called the Timekeeper. So I am super stoked with that. In addition to that... Time phrase! Oh my god. And of course, we have our honor Tips and Tricks where we bring you new and reusable material for both players and DMs. But before all that, we have In the Realm. Ian, what's going on in your realm? Not bloody much! Okay, Brandon, well, right what's going on in your realm?
1: <laughs> okay, so, uh... Let's see. Myra, my I have a job interview this next Friday for a new job that has a smaller... Do you change your underwear as often as you change jobs? Yes. Uh, <laughs> a smaller workplace with a smell. So hopefully I can...
0: <laughs> oh my god. Why am I doing this? I don't know.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm working seven days a week right now, and I'm tired of that, so...
0: How long have you been working seven days a week? Four months? Three months? Really? That long? Have you even had a job that long? Well, fuck you! <laughs> Well, I know that I've been going on over 100 days. And uh, I know you were unemployed uh, <laughs> when I was working seven days.
1: Yes, I, I, I'm aware of that, but uh, I have the option to
0: change jobs, so I'm going to. <laughs> okay.
1: Well, it sounds exciting. The description sounds good, so I went with that. <laughs> what,
0: what shift are they going to stick you on?
1: Third, I hope. Hey, Ian, what's up in your realm? You said not much, but I'm pretty sure there is something.
2: <laughs> yeah. Now, about the most exciting thing that happened was uh, like this for a while for this past week, my internet was not working. At all, (laughs) so I, other than I would occasionally for a few minutes here and there get a connection, Mm -hmm. but then it would stop. And I basically called Comcast saying, "Hey, my internet's not not working." And before you put me through the list, I already did this, 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 and this. Wow. uh, Okay. Um. Did you try uh, plugging your computer directly into your modem? No. (laughs) 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 I did that, and then I got a connection back. So, my rather, what's the problem then? And uh, I ended up fixing it though by doing a factory reset on the router, and and so far it's been working just fine since then, so.
0: Yay! (laughs) Awesome, congratulations. (laughs) That's exciting. I
2: are felt (laughs) smart. Okay, so Justin, what's going on in your realms? No one cares. (laughs)
0: I just bought a PlayStation, I tell you. Yeah, you downgraded. What the fuck? (laughs) I didn't downgrade. They didn't have Spider-Man for the
1: Xbox, so I went and bought a PlayStation 4. (laughs) That's the number one thing you say when we're playing Rocket League, and we say someone on a
0: PlayStation. PlayStation peasant. PlayStation peasant. That's not going to change. Now I'm just a peasant on the weekends. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I may may have a PS4, but I'm still
1: PC Master Race.
0: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, well, you're wrong.
1: Oh, my God. I built mine. There's an Easter egg in that game.
0: Which one? The Twin Towers Easter egg. I thought that Easter egg goes debunked. <laughs> in Spider-Man? Yeah. I don't even know what, I don't know what Easter egg you're talking about. I've run into the Empire State Building, and I've run into the Chrysler Building. I haven't seen any other iconic ones in Avengers Tower. Go... Where the hell are the Avengers? Why the city's under attack, by the way?
1: I don't know. <laughs> but uh, if you go to Ground Zero on the map, there is a skyscraper that's still standing. When you climb that skyscraper, you'll see the reflection of the Twin Towers on it.
0: That's baller. I'll have to check. I think that'll do it for In the Realm. Uh, Brandon, if they like to visit other realms, how can they do so? They can go to our website
1: at and We have a link there to go to Audible, where you can sign up. And you can get a free book with a 30-day trial at Audible.
0: That's free. Moving into our Let's Talk About Blank segment, we have a question from Charles K. I'm having trouble fine-tuning my combat encounters. The party is basically a giant glass cannon. If I do encounters for their correct CR, then half of them drop in a hit or two. If I do ones at or slightly lower, they mow right through them like it's no problem. I don't want to just lower the CR and double the HP or something like that. What are your recommendations? Okay, so he's a bunch having of
1: glass cannons.
0: Uh that means they have little health but can do a lot <sighs> I, of oomph. I know I know Are what glass you sure? cannon means. <laughs> well, how do you how do you <laughs> So how would you guys deal with this? Force them to miss more often, I guess. That's interesting. How would you force them to miss? I'll
1: put shit in the way. That's uh, not a bad idea. They they, they can't see you roll behind the screen.
0: Okay. So maybe some more uh, terrain. To avoid their big blast cannon but then as soon as the enemy goes up and hits them they're gonna die isn't that part of the problem what do you think ian
2: well i always think that as a, when, when people dm no matter what you do you're always gonna be fine tuning no matter what because yep. let's face it it's dice based combat what's gonna happen is gonna happen and i'm not quite sure what what is gonna happen until you roll
0: yeah sam makes a great point that because they have a divination wizard they can really deal with surprises a little easier than most other characters um and i agree Here's, here's my take, and I, I'd love to hear your thoughts. The problem that you have is they've put all their resources into being glass cannons, which means all their uh, resources are into doing damage. Which, which is okay. Which, which which there's nothing wrong with that. So they've chosen to build their characters as such that they focus on raw damage. So, in my opinion, they deserve to be stabbed and killed in one or two shots. <laughs> No, I'm serious. That's that's the risk you that's <laughs> no, the I, risk you take. I I, I
1: I saw that coming. I knew they were going to say that. It's like, well, if they're glass cannons, they fucking deserve to die. <laughs> <laughs>
0: but, but, no, but that's that's the risk they take with that build. Yes. Now that being said, if you're that concerned about it, there are a few things you you could do. Um, you mentioned the terrain, Brandon. Um, including a lot of terrain, not just for the enemies, but for the players is good because now they have. The option to run and hide, duck behind stuff, to avoid that stuff that can kill them in one shot. Personally, I wouldn't nerf the like the the uh, offensive um, capabilities of the enemies. If they know that they can die in two shots, give them things that they can do to avoid doing that or choosing to blow something up. Hey, this guy's next to me he's going to stab me. It's going to probably kill me. I'm just going to blow him away and hope I hit. Well, if you don't hit or reinforcements come and they stab that person, that person chose not to take the higher ground. Don't, haven't they watched Star Wars? Everyone knows the higher ground makes a difference. That, that's a simple <laughs> example that they can take knowing they've got a weakness now.
2: Cody colleague does say, though, that th- this is a the risk they took with this build. They need to employ tech so they want to s- survive better.
0: Yeah, and overcome the weaknesses that they have. Uh-huh. Um, and, and that's the way I see it. That being said, it should be your job as the DM to put them in a couple different situations. One, where they feel over, they feel powerful and are successfully clearing your content with ease, but also situations where that power doesn't help. There are some situations where raw power isn't isn't the answer. And you as the DM should look at their core sets of abilities and see what other ways you can challenge them where it's not just about raw power or raw damage coming from the enemy and stabbing them. For instance, uh, I'll use a wizard uh or, or a wizard as a uh, glass cannon as an example. The wizard takes the wi- the person who picks the wizard knows that I can do a lot of damage. But if I get stabbed, I'm, I'm done. If they get stabbed enough, eventually they're going to change out some of those abilities to be more defensive, taking abilities like shield. You know, druids might take bark skin, you know. When you put them in a situation where they are dangerous and they, they, they fall, they fall not, they fall unconscious regularly from being stabbed, you're then going to challenge them to change what they think is necessary. And if they continue to do that, well, eventually they're going to die from it. And you as the DM shouldn't have any remorse for that.
2: Although it's like this party you may or may not be trying to constantly shove a uh, circular brick through a square hole. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, if you try enough, eventually it—you um, it, can just force it through. Um, <laughs> once you stab them a couple times, they fall under. They're going to start automatically realizing that this isn't working. This isn't working out, and they're going to have to alter either their strategy or their 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 builds or or both a combination of those. But if you put them in a situation where they have to now say, okay, I'm out of resources. I'm already weak. If I fight this guy, I'm doomed. They're going to have to start taking that into consideration when they continue in their campaign. Right. Cause they may not have had that challenge yet where, okay, I just nuked them. Oh, that's great. Cleared it. This is working for me. I'm going to keep doing it. Yep. Um, The only other thing I could say is if you're, th- don't pull your punches, you're trying to build encounters that challenge them. The only way to do that would be continually adjusting your encounters on the fly, because the CR system is not flawless.
2: It is not. It's
0: not even the strongest system that we've had for uh, counter-building.
2: Or rather, it's not as accurate as it used to be in some cases.
0: So that requires a lot of um, decision-making on yours. (laughs) I would say continue doing what you're doing, and don't worry that they can fall unconscious because you've stabbed them
2: and it's part of the game
0: yeah and th- that that stuff's built into the mechanics if the enemies can do damage to them and hurt them give them options and set in the setting where they can do what they need to to avoid it whether it's hiding behind a, a box climbing a tree any of those sorts of things um, because then you've given them the opportunity to avoid being stabbed and if they don't take it well that's on them thank you for submitting your question charles if we answered your question if we didn't answer your question please let us know um you can send it to the complaint department and um all right so moving on to our main topic today we have our midgard heroes handbook class analysis on the wizard which will be out of the cobalt press's um midgard's heroes handbook if you don't know cobalt press's Midgard campaign setting is a dark world of deep magic, started by Wolfgang Bauer and the fleshed-out bias team. It's flavored with Central European myth and folklore, from the frozen Northlands to its wild steppes, dark forests, and craggy mountains.
2: Sounds to me like the you meets Vikings.
0: Yeah. Pretty... That's not bad. I like that. They also have this really cool feature I've been reading about called Ley Lines, which I think is really cool. So... You can visit, uh, if you enjoy the topic we discuss. you can pick up the book from cobaltpress.com. We also have a link inside of our show notes you can find at critacademy.com. And click the link there to take you right to their awesome item. The Midgard Heroes Handbook has over 200 pages of awesome. Including 11 new races in addition to the various variations of existing ones, 40 new subclasses, new feats, new backgrounds, new spells, new weapon options. I can't wait to talk about that. Um, Magical items and monsters and much, much more. More! Yeah. It's pretty awesome stuff. Um, And today, so today we'll be talking about a couple of the, uh, well, one of the wizard traditions. And of course the other one will be a bonus. So... We're really excited, so keep an eye out for that. Today we're going to be talking about the arcane tradition, the Dragon Mask. Dragon Mask?
1: Dragon Mask. Sounds a lot like Skyrim.
0: Okay. (laughs) Wizards practice the subtle
1: magic of pulling power from thin air and shaping it to fit their needs. Sorcerers tame the chaotic power within themselves, releasing it in barely controlled gouts of magical eruptions. Mages who walk the path between these two diverse means of magic are called Dragon Magi. Magi? Magi. 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 Dragon Magi manifest their magic in a variety of styles, as diverse as the draconic species and the types of magic that populate the worlds.
2: Did you forget to put in the expanded spell list? I did.
0: Oh, yep. Yep. (laughs) The book does come with an expanded spell list, but the spell list is unique to this book. Okay, that's fair. We'll talk about a few examples of those uh, at the end of the, the the end of the class. Shit. Um, starting at second level, you get invoke dragon mask. You can invoke a magical dragon mask. Imagine that. You <laughs> you use a bonus action to spend a spell slot to invoke the mask. So I, I'm pretty. I'm getting the feeling we invoke a mask. You guys getting that feeling?
2: I um, didn't get that impression.
0: Oh, uh, all right. Um, I do now. <laughs> It lasts for three rounds per level of the spell slot spent. The dragon mask remains as long as you are not incapacitated until the duration ends or until it is dismissed or replaced with a bonus action. It is a translucent magical force in the form of a dragon's head, which covers your face. Your face is still visible beneath the mask, and the mask does not hinder your vision. While you're wearing the dragon mask, you gain the following benefits and drawbacks. Did you hear that? You get benefits. Did you also hear it said drawbacks? Yeah. (laughs) The first bonus you get is an increase to your AC equal to your intelligence modifier. That's
2: pretty good. That's pretty
0: baller. Huh? Minimum of one. Well, yeah, that's kind of the the default thing. But anyways. um, (laughs) So that's pretty awesome. (laughs) Brandon, what's that next one?
1: (laughs) You gain a bite attack. As an action, make a melee spell attack against one adjacent target. On a hit, a target takes 1d8 plus your intelligence modifier piercing damage. This attack counts as magical for purposes of overcoming a target's immunity or resistance to piercing damage. Nice! That's pretty awesome. Yeah. You
2: gain advantage on Wisdom Perception checks as well as on Charisma Intimidation checks. That's pretty
0: awesome. <laughs> and any ranged or melee spell attacks you cast while wearing the mask are made with disadvantage. And saving throws against spells you cast while wearing the Dragon Mask are also made with advantage.
1: Whoops. because yeah, it does hinder your vision. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> no it hinders your ability to spell cast though <laughs> magic and then the last one is as a bonus action you can spend an additional spell slot to augment your dragon mask your next dragon masks bite attack damage increases by 1d8 per level of the spell slot spent and you gain advantage on the attack
2: roll
0: <laughs> just right off the cuff what do you guys think about this
2: i mean yeah you're bringing spell slots but you get some buffs in the process <laughs> The only disadvantage, though, is it does hinder your, your spellcasting somewhat. And since you're a wizard, that's that's kind of important. seems
0: like quite a quite a, an issue. Well, I'll,
1: I'll, I think the AC bonus is good.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. So here, here's here's the first thing that came to my mind. How much, on average, would you say a wizard has when they have mage armor active? Sixteen. Yeah. Right. So if you have a plus five modifier, you have a twenty-one AC. That's like equivalent of like plate and a shield, right? Yeah. That's huge. Yep. That is a hell of a high armor class to, to have to, to to beat as the as the the enemy. Um so to me what this seems like it's doing is turning you into a melee Just character. Re-
2: yep. Just into a melee tank.
0: Because you're adding uh one D eight plus your int modifier, which is essentially, you know, yep. longsword damage. Yeah. And because you're adding your int and not like a physical melee strike, like dex or strength, you can have very high melee combat skills yep but what's really interesting is it gives you such huge boost of individual spike da- spike damage by consuming spell slots yep um and granting you advantage on those attacks increases that the spell sl- increases the ch- uh, odds that the spell slot's not going to be wasted i do think it's interesting that you're you have disadvantage on your attack rolls for spells and stuff it encourages you to use spells that aren't um offensive basically yep right and encourage you to use other spells um but anyways um so how do you guys i mean obviously this is meant to to be like a a a, a melee character the coolest thing i think is that you get to describe how the the dragon head looks right i could easily see myself reflavoring this from a dragon to something else because i'm dorky like that and would (laughs) like want to, to to change it up a little bit um but uh how do you envision this getting the most out of this this build
2: yeah, as you said though, using some like uh, spells that are buffs or debuffs that or support spells in some way would definitely qu- go quite well with this saying how your regular attack spells will be at a disadvantage in this mode. But yeah, it gives you more options to play around
0: with. Yeah, and it keeps you alive because yeah. that I would say even if you didn't use this that often, when you're getting when you're in a situation where there's lots of enemies and you can easily be hurt, just using this to buff your defense to keep you alive. Makes it worth it, at least in my opinion. This would be great for Charles's glass cannons.
1: <laughs> if they need a tank, they can make one.
2: Yeah, there you go. Uh, you don't have tank health, though, but
0: still. Well, <laughs> if they can't hit you, it doesn't matter.
1: <laughs>
0: that's the risk, I suppose. Yeah. I really think this sounds awesome.
2: Yeah, but you get they save spell, though. Even if you save, you're still sucking half.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, but that's still really, really sweet. And if you guys ever watched um, uh, Bleach, in the anime B- Bleach... Yep, They have the hollowfication thing that Ichigo does, where he puts his hand across his face and he drags his hand down, and this mask just forms around him. I kind of envision something like that, and then like bellowing and roaring with the spectral thing around you seems just awesome.
2: This next feed you get level six is for you, Shankallery fans. What's it called? Invoke Dragonheart.
0: Oh, God. <laughs> I get that reference. <laughs> I don't, oh. From dra- Dragonheart, right?
2: <laughs> yeah. But that first movie was pretty solid.
0: Yeah, I didn't see any other ones, though. No
2: hearts at the first movie. (laughs) Starting at 6th level, you can invoke a magical dragon heart. You use a bonus action and spend a spell slot to invoke the dragon heart, which lasts for 3 rounds per level of the spell spent. The dragon heart remains as long as you are not incapacitated until the duration ends or until it is dismissed or replaced as a bonus action. The dragon heart is a translucent magical force in the form of a beating heart, which covers your chest.
0: Nice. It's like like armor. Almost like dragon armor. <laughs> right? Is that what that kinda of seems like to you? No! Yeah, it says over yeah, your it chest. It covers your chest, right? That's got it seems like a like a, a thumping, beating dragon armor. But you don't get armor from it. <laughs> no, but it still sounds cool. <laughs> I mean I see it just like this thing hovering floating over top, you boom 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 boom. Alright.
2: And the first benefit you get is
0: you gain a
2: bonus to wisdom and charisma saving throws equal to your intelligence modifier. That's a big deal. Yep.
0: Because um, stopping, you know, illusions and manipulation of your character is pretty important, especially at higher levels. Um, so that, that's pretty huge.
1: Uh, let's see. The next you gain temporary hit points equal to twice your wizard level. These temporary hit points are lost when your heart, dragon heart, aspect is removed or lost for any reason.
2: And mm-hmm. I want to point out, though, that at this point, it's this minimum 12 to very hit points.
0: That's a huge one. That's huge for um, a wizard. You also gain a breath weapon attack. As an action, at a 30 foot long, 5 foot wide line of energy, acid, cold, fire, or lightning shoots from your dragon heart in a direction you choose. <laughs> Each creature in the line must make a deck saving throw. A creature takes 4d6 damage on a failed save and no damage on a successful one. That's rough. No damage on a successful uh the type of damage can be selected when making the attack um and cannot be changed until a new dragon heart is manifested so essentially you're manifesting this arm this this translucent heart that kind of thumps and beats around you and now you can breathe fire what i think is interesting though um is even normally cold is a constitution save
2: yeah
0: um this still considers it a deck save i think i'm as a dm i might end up i would change that what are you talking about When you use the breath weapon, it says they make a dex save. Okay. Mm -hmm. Traditionally, on all the dragons and on the Dragonborn, uh, breath weapon for cold is con save, not dexterity. So I probably would make that change just because...
2: We stress that's the house rule.
0: Yes. Yes.
1: Um, (laughs) As a bonus action, you can spend an additional spell slot to augment your dragon heart. Your next dragon heart's breath weapon attack damage increases by 2d6 per level. Oh, the spell slot's spent. (laughs) And you can add 10 feet of length to the line per level on the spell slot's bend. Jesus.
0: It's like a Kamehameha breath weapon.
1: Yeah. Is it really considered a breath weapon if it comes from your chest?
0: Well, when I read that, the first thing... Well, it says you can use your action to breathe, so I'm assuming that it's taking on the form and sending it magically through your mouth. But yeah. when I first thought of this, I thought that same thing, and the first <laughs> thing that came to mind was that Iron Man chest blast thing thinking. that he does. <laughs> That's <uni-beam. laughs> what the Unabeam, Beam is that what it's called? Yeah. Um. So now, now we are. We have two features here. One that's a mask that goes over your face, and then another one that covers your your chest area, and you have to pick between the two, which gives you versatility. Yeah. Right. The first one, the mask, seems all about defense for the most part, with some uh, single person damage DPR, right? Because it, it's one attack versus one person. Yeah. Um, while this one <laughs> can hit multiple targets, and you can buff it.
2: Uh, just to clarify, does it actually state you can only have one of these active at a time? Uh, I haven't read that yet. To my knowledge, because so I feel like you can have one one up at a time. You just have to burn through the crap. Ah, uh, it says it right anyways.
0: here. The dragon mask remains as long as you are not incapacitated until the duration ends, or until you mi- it's misplaced or replaced with a bonus action. So when you use your bonus action to replace it with the other one, so I, to my own knowledge, you can only have one at a time.
2: My. I kind of read that, though, as you replace a dragon mask with another dragon mask. That's how I read it as written.
0: That would be interesting to know. Uh, so I'm not really sure. I take it as you can only have one at a time, but that would be an interesting distinction to know. Because I
2: could see you having more than one of these at once, but you had to do blow through quite a few spell slots to keep them all up. <laughs> that was my knee-jerk reaction, at least. I'm not saying I'm right.
0: Right, right. I, I, but that's important distinction to know. Uh yeah, so Sam kind of agrees. He thinks you could do both, but it does take a bonus action, so you would have to do it consistently. Yeah, but it sounds really cool. I love that you went from having the mask, which is more of a single person damage, to this AoE style breath attack. Um, it reminds me of the the Berserker Axe, uh, Berserk Fury from uh from Zoids. Uh, Zoids, where he charges up this attack and then just and and wipes the floor with everything. What's the next feature you get, Brandon. Ah, uh,
1: you get the Invoke Dragon Wings. And starting at 10th level, you can invoke a set of magical dragon wings. You use a bonus action and spend a spell slot to invoke the dragon wings, which lasts for two rounds per level of the spells, or spent spell slot. Yep. The dragon wings remain as long as you are not incapacitated until the duration ends or until they are dismissed or replaced with a bonus action. While you wear your dragon wings, you gain the following benefits. Your speed increases by 10 feet. And you gain a fly speed equal
0: to your walking speed. Nice. That's pretty good. You also gain resistance to bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing damage from non-magical sources. Rage!
2: Yup. Yeah. <laughs> you gain advantage on any melee or ranged spell attack rolls. Melee. Ooh. <laughs> the opposite <laughs> of the mask.
0: Yeah. That could that offset it?
2: If you have them both at the same time, yeah. Yeah.
0: As a bonus
1: action, you can spend an additional spell slot to augment your dragon wings. Until the start of your next turn, you can add 5 feet of additional speed per level of the spell slot spent. Additionally, you can choose one creature per level of the spell slot spent within 10 feet of you, and the ranged attacks against those creatures are made at disadvantage.
0: Nice. Oh, this is so cool.
1: so,
2: So you got a party buff there.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. That's a pretty good feature. So now we've got these mystical wings that fly, uh, that appear behind us, you know, engulfing, you know, the the whole field, just looking freaking badass. Not only does it grant you flying, uh, but gaining advantage on melee or, or ranged spell attacks is huge. Um, it says that increases your, uh, effectiveness in melee in, in, in ranged. I would see, like, uh, if I cast, like, Firebolt, for instance, I would, like, have it, like, beat his wings and, like, a blast of this bolt of fire shooting out of my wings like, uh, freaking Archangel or something. What do you guys think about this? How do you see it working, flavor-wise?
2: I, I'm just mis- picturing, like, a uh, glowing wings <laughs> coming out of your back.
0: I know it says Dragon Wings, but I keep thinking of Tyrael. That, that's, <laughs> yeah, I can see that. <laughs> do you, so, how do you see it, like enhancing your spells from a flavor wise? Like, do you just you cast firebolt and it looks bigger, or do you see like it beat its the, wing, the magical wings beat, and you see energy rush through it and into your palm as you loosen this attack? I mean, it's enhancing your attacks, right, with the the increasing your chance to hit.
2: I just picture somebody going Super Saiyan with wings.
0: <laughs> 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 Once again, so now we've got a mask. We've got kind of a heartbeat kind of like armor thing going around your body, and now you've got these big wings. You're gradually becoming like a spectral dragon. Yeah. It seems, which I think is just awesome. The last feature you get is invoke dragon tail. Uh starting at fourteenth level, you can invoke a magical uh dragon tail. You can use a bonus action to spend a spell slot to invoke the dragon tail, which lasts for one round per level of the slot spent. Wow. They're definitely lasting shorter and shorter, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> uh, the Dragon Tail remains as long as you are not incapacitated. Until the duration ends, or until it is dismissed or replaced with a bonus action, the Dragon Tail is a translucent magical force in the form of a 15-foot-long appendage capable of striking with incredible force. I'm thinking uh, Scorpion, because I'm playing Spider-Man right now, and this tail just, you know, whacking you into the head.
2: Yeah, we said Scorpion at 20th up, Mortal Kombat. the
0: thought. While you wear the dragon tail, you gain the following benefits. You are immune to the grappled condition. That's interesting. Oh, does that disappoint you? <laughs> a little bit. I like grapple. <laughs> like, how is that functioning? Is the tail just like pushing, worming its way between you and the enemy? No. Oh, just swatting them away? <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah, the spectral tail, every time somebody tries to grab you, it kind of whacks their hands away. Or whatever limb they're using to grab you with, kind of defensively. That's pretty cool, <laughs> like a scorpion.
1: Yeah, you're proficient with strength and dexterity saving throws, and any skill checks using strength. In addition, you can use your intelligence modifier instead of the regular modifier for those saving throws and skill checks.
0: So it's not just plus then. Yes, it's just uh, proficiency bonuses. Right. Yeah. Um, which is still pretty awesome. I I kind of see this like uh, if you're trying to like fight somebody. Uh, or, let's say, like, Dexterity saving throw, you're trying to get out of the way. I can see your k- tail just, like, slashing the ground and creating, like, a jump effect to allow you to move a little bit quicker. <laughs> Something like that.
2: You also gain a Tail Slam attack. As an, as an action, make a separate melee spell attack on all targets within 15 feet. Nice. On a hit, the target takes 3d10 bludgeoning damage. Targets hit by this attack are pushed up to 10 feet away from you and knocked prone. Unless they succeed on a strength saving throw against your spell DC. And this attack has its magical for the purpose of overcoming immunity or resistance. The bludgeoning. Nice! That's kind of awesome.
0: As a reaction, you can make a tail slam attack against a creature who enters your tail's reach. Whoa. That's awesome. As a reaction. Yeah. Yeah.
1: As a bonus action, you can spend an additional spell slot to augment your dragon tail. Until the start of your next turn, your Dragon Tail Slam attack damage increases by 1d10 per level of the spell slot spent. In addition, you heal yourself for three hit points per level of the spell slot spent.
0: Oh, very nice. So here we are. We've got this big giant dragon tail. It prevents us from, you know, uh, it gives us advantage on uh, strength and dexterity. Saves, which is awesome. Whether it's we're it's bashing the enemy to, to so they can't grapple us, or it's giving us just a raw strength boost, or we're cracking that tail like a whip and allowing us to launch out of the way a little bit quicker.
2: I kind of pictured this a little bit looking at the dragon uh, head one.
0: I do have things you do only better. <laughs> I <laughs> I do love that it uh, use your intelligence modifier instead. Once again, showing that kind of magical build. Once again, I really I like I like the flavor of this because it says you get a tail. It doesn't really say the tail has to be attached to your backside. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, what if you get like a tail on your arm and you like, have a long tentacle type thing going on? I know that sounds stupid, but I think that would be really interesting. Maybe pull the mask over your, your hand and treat it as like a shield. So instead of pulling it over your head, you've got this me- spectral mask on one hand and the tail on the other. <laughs> uh, I've seen enough anime to see where that's going. So would, would you guys run something like this?
2: I will give it a shot
0: because I know I know you traditionally don't play like the wizard ca- spellcaster types.
1: No, <laughs> but it seems fun though. Maybe to burn through your spell slots only for a few seconds, even though it gives you that
0: big ass boost.
2: But also keep in mind though that you're a wizard and you have way more spell slots than anything else.
0: Yeah, because really, let's assume How many spell you. spell slots do you get? Uh, well, well, depends on what level you are.
2: <laughs> more than more than either class at their respective levels. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I
0: think at level three you have four first level slots. Is that right? Maybe level four. I don't have the book in front of me. So at level three or four, you get four level first level spell slots. I don't have the book in front of me. And some second levels. So at fourth level, you have four first. You have seven spell slots at fourth level. Yeah. Right. At twentieth level, you have four, seven, ten, thirteen, sixteen, eighteen, twenty-two. Yeah. So. Oh, well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so. Honestly, I love this idea. I love this character. As a player who likes to get f- take freedoms, I would change some of the stuff. Like, I would easily see that instead of it being, you know, dragon aspects, like taking on any other sort of creature aspects and just reflavoring them, which I think would be fun.
2: Yeah, reflavoring them.
0: Yep. You could easily reflavor them as we- weapons, too, you know? Nothing says it has to be a dragon head over your face. It could be like a spectral shield that forms on your arm, right? true and the tail could be just a really long you know sword or something or a whip or something along those lines and i think that that make gives this a lot of flavor and a lot of utility and a lot of fun um all right so that'll do it for the arcane tradition the dragon masks our next arcane tradition is the timekeeper and this actually comes from deep magic time magic a timekeeper uses seconds and minutes not as a way to measure life but as a key to great and mysterious power the tradition of the timekeepers began in the majocracies of the west prior to the great mage wars many timekeepers find themselves responsible for keeping watch over the dreadwalkers of the wastes to ensure they are never freed from stasis Others seek to rediscover the lost spells and rituals that allowed long-gone mages to halt the Dreadwalkers in the first place. So I love this because it really gives us a lot of flavor. Yeah, and tells us about some stuff that I don't know nothing about that I want to. I want, what the hell's a Dreadwalker? I want to know that.
2: I'm sure you'd know if you read this <laughs> thing in the book. Whitewalkers.
0: Yeah, that, that's, that's the point, right? I like how flavorful it is. It tells you about where the, what they do and who they are, which I think is awesome. Ian, would you like to tell us about the first feature they get?
2: The first feature you gain is the temporal savant. Beginning when you select a school at second level, the gold and time you must spend to copy a transmutation spell into your spellbook is halved. When getting a level, you can select a temporal spell, even if you've never encountered it before. Nice. That's awesome. You also gain proficiency with clockwork tools. 25 gold, 2 pounds. (laughs)
0: Okay. <laughs> um. So basically, it's giving you access to um. Um. Some new spells, right? And you get a, a discount. Yeah. Well, and I think that's kind of part of one of the first features you get for all wizards, where it cuts something in half, um, which is pretty awesome. Um.
2: And you can access temporal spells even if you never encountered them before,
0: which is huge.
2: Yeah.
1: All right. You want to? Uh, a timepiece would be the next thing. A timepiece. A timepiece.
2: Also, a second level.
1: Starting at 2nd level. Also, yeah. Yeah. You create a special timepiece that can be held easily in one hand. Usually a clockwork, watch, or hourglass. You can use the timepiece as an arcane focus. You have two temporal points. Uh, You gain one additional point every time you level up. To a maximum of 20 at level 20. You regain all spent temporal points when you finish a long rest. You are unable to spend temporal points without holding your bonded timepiece. You can spend one temporal point as a reaction or a bonus action to gain one of the following effects for one round. Or spend two temporal points as a bonus action to grant a creature you touch one of the following effects for one round. Uh, You can use a bonus action on your next turn to dash, disengage, hide, or use an object. Your AC increases by two. Or you gain advantage on dexterity checks. Those are all nice choices. What do you guys think about this? This is awesome because they all kind of relate to time. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind and, of. And, I like it. Kind of the point. And Timing.
0: Yeah. Um. So Samuel's asking what are temporal spells. So in the Deep Magic Compendium, the 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 pamphlet, um, not only do you have the normal classes like necromancy or abjuration, but they ha- in in Midgard they have subclasses in addition to those. Uh, for instance, Wall of Time is an abjuration. Yeah. Temporal. It's a temporal aberration spell. Um, And those are, to my understanding, these are unique to this setting, um, which come part of the Deep Magic uh, book. Um, Before we get started, what kind of timepiece would you guys pick if you chose this wizard? Pocket Watch. Pocket Watch. (laughs) Really? Am I the only one that thinks it should be an hourglass? I'm not going to pick a grandfather clock. An hourglass, calling grandfather cl- clock. That would be awesome. <laughs> yeah. A grandfather clock? Are you kidding? You're me? You're walking around with this big ass thing on the, on your back. <laughs> <laughs> like, what is that? Uh, this is my arcane focus. Cody gets it. Ooh, <laughs> a sundial. I like that. <laughs> and then use the light spell to 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 adjust the time on the uh, on the on the on the sundial. That would be awesome. <laughs> An hourglass pocket watch way to play the middle of the road there, Ed, instead of <laughs> actually making a choice. <laughs> um, so I think that's really cool. That's one of that's very unique because there's very few classes, I think, that really say this important piece of this item is important to your character. I mean, Wizard has a spell book, but not enough players really give their spell book a lot of love. Well, if
2: you pick the Alchemist, you kind of get philosopher's foster saying <laughs> Oh, that's
1: true. Sam says it's a bonus action to wind
0: the clock. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I love the idea of a, of an hourglass personally. Um, so some of these features are pretty cool. Basically, it represents you speeding up time, right? Increasing your AC means you're probably more evasive, and same thing with de- advantage on dex checks. You're you're slightly quicker. Yep. Um, that's also why you can use um, the, you know, the dash, the disengage, the hide, and the use object as a bonus action because you're more swift and deft. And I kind of would describe this personally as like a like an after image kind of movement. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like something out of an enemy where you can kind of see a shadow of yourself where you were just like a previous second ago, which is what that kind of reminds me of, which is awesome flavor, by the way. Um, At sixth level, you get access to the feature extended magic. Uh, When you cast a spell whose duration is one minute or longer, you can spend one temporal point to double the spell's duration. The maximum duration obtainable is 24 hours. That's pretty good. Mm -hmm. I love this because one of the problems that I hate with being like a wizard is worrying about that I'm going to cast Mage Armor and then it's going to fall off. Um, With something like that, it's less likely an issue, and I don't have to wait till combat to cast it to ensure that I've got it. Yeah, but Mage Armor lasts for what? Eight hours? Eight hours, but that's not... Like, if you cast it before you go on a venture, you know, great. It'll be probably gone by the time you get into a dungeon, but if you wait till you're in a dungeon, something's probably already stabbed at your ass by the time you get there, so... But that might just be me, the way I play personally. I don't like to see stuff go to waste, so um, so I think that's pretty pretty sweet. Um, that also applies to buffs, right? Yeah. Things like enhance or debuffs or debuffs, enhance or yeah, enhance or uh, buff or debuffs for allies or enemies. Things like fly as well and stuff like that. That's just that to me is a very nice little feature that you can you stretch out the time that these last. It's pretty you know cool.
2: Okay. And at level 10, you gain a new ability of Hastened. At 10th level, you add the Haste spell to your spell book if it's not there already, and why wouldn't it be, in my uh-huh. opinion? <laughs> you never have to suffer the negative effects of the Haste spell and can't act normally when the spell ends. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> you can also cast Haste without expending a spell slot, but the spell <laughs> only affects you. Once you cast Haste this way, you can't do so again until you finish a short or long... Holy Holy crap! <laughs> A short or long rest. You, you can still cast if normally using an available spell slot.
0: Uh, that's, this is pretty good. Well, yeah, considering <laughs> haste, what doubles your speed, increases your AC, and gives you advantage on um, dex dave. In addition to, you can take an additional action on each of your turns. Yeah. What's the negative aspect of haste?
2: Uh, when haste swears off, you when the spell ends, the target can't move or take action until so after its next turn as a wave of, of lethargy s- sweeps over it. <laughs>
0: Yeah, if you, you get a big debuff.
2: But uh, that's... um, and, and haste is concentration for up to one minute. So was your previous level 6 feature is now two minutes.
0: That's huge. That's what she said. Uh, I think that's a really dope ability.
2: <laughs> yeah, and the fact that you get haste back from this feature after every short rest.
0: <laughs> that's nice. Um, I think that's pretty dope. That is a really cool level 10 ability. Yeah. And it's free. It doesn't consume a spell slot.
2: Unless you use it with a spell slot,
0: but yeah, well, yeah, well, you can you can use it for free without consuming a spell slot, but After you a can short also, rest. huh?
2: After every short rest, yeah,
0: I just said that. Yeah, no, 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 I know. That's what I'm saying. That's that's a huge, huge thing. Not only is it haste making you super swift and fast, but every short rest and no mm-hmm. spell slot cost. There's no reason why you wouldn't do this
2: uh no
0: (laughs) and yes salmon still concentration yes so you can't concentrate on something else because the spell isn't being changed you're just getting it for free
2: but haste is a pretty good spell though so
0: (laughs) nobody's gonna complain no (laughs) what do you think about maybe your enemies but (laughs) yeah enemies will i slice you and dice you and cut you to pieces i think that's
1: awesome i want to say awesome i kind of want to say op but i'm not sure if i want to
2: So well, how, you're, uh, you're a time wizard. so... Yeah.
0: How would you see? So how would you see this being reflected in the way your character moves? I kind of touched up on like the after image thing.
2: Yep. Two X speed.
1: <sighs> Submarines twice. Once. Yes, I know. Submarines once. Like a submarine. Like Submarines twice. I don't get it. Holy jumping Jesus Christ! We go up. We go down. We don't even fuck around. It's it's a submarinist poem.
0: <laughs> okay. Well now I feel uh, you've got a personal friend here that is just like you. <laughs>
1: what comes to mind is remember when we used to play Blood Roar? Yes. And you used Can to play kick your ass? the little mole man? Yes. Or whatever. You know how whenever, when is he would, mole. Uh, when he would he would dash, he would just appear in a spot but there would be that trail behind him. Ooh. That that that's why I'm thinking is that you move with such speed but it looks like it teleported, but the only indication that you
0: actually move is like a little speckle. Is, like is the dust, dust trail behind you? I, I really like what you got there. I think that's a really good way to, to do it. Or kind of like at. a
2: picture like a Jigara or a Jatara from the um, Th- Thundercats reboot. The good one. Nobody knows what you're talking about. That's why it's off the air now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Fair enough. Um, so the next feature you get at 14th level is Time Mastery. I'm starting to sense a theme. Do you think? <laughs> um. At 14th level, you can choose to ignore environmental time effects, such as those created by time storms and time rifts. Now, at first I assumed that these were probably unique to the setting, but there's no way they're unique to the setting. In D&D, we always talk about how random magic is and how it can randomly do crazy shit in the environment. Yeah. Which also means I now am going to be using temporal distortions in my games, because why I've never used those before... I don't know, like, just random bubbles of, you know, time stopping and slowing and and shit like that. Um, So, you can spend temporal points to do the following. Uh, When you cast a spell with a casting time of one action, you can spend two points and reduce the casting time to casting to a bonus action. Nice. That's pretty baller. That sounds like uh, the Quicken spell, doesn't it? Like the metamagic from the Sorcerer? Yeah. It's very much what that is.
2: When you must make a saving throw against slow or any temporal spell, you can spend... Two temporal hit points to, to succeed in the saving throw automatically. You can make the decision to spend the points after going the die and seeing the result.
0: That's pretty cool. So basically, you're a time mage, so fuck anybody that tries to screw up your speed. I
2: slay it down. <laughs> nope.
1: <laughs> As a reaction when another creature casts time stop, you can spend five temporal points to act during the spell's duration. Oh, <laughs> Holy shit. shit. Whoops. You and the spell's original caster alternate taking turns, with the original caster acting first. You have the same restrictions as the original caster. If the original caster ends the spell, it ends for everyone. If you take an action that ends the spell, it ends
0: only for you, not for the original caster. And that's mostly, like, hurting people, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and that seems fair. Yeah, (laughs) I would agree. (laughs) Like, can you, like, that would just be awesome to roleplay out, like... If the big villain didn't know you, your character was a, a time wizard, I would hope the DM would be like, why can you move? Stop. No. Don't get any closer. I'll blow you up. It'll end your spell, bitch. <laughs> 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 um, so, I really... This this is awesome. Oh. I love the little flaking oh. of the meta magic. Sorry, but I, I just had a... Thing? Uh,
1: a thing. A spark. Part. Yeah, you can smell it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, like... If the big bad does not know that you can do this, what if you were to dive a little bit into Rogue or, or something along those lines, where when you know that you get a sneak attack, it does going to do extra damage, and he comes up to you, and you can move the entire time. He doesn't know it. And you go, surprise, bitch! <laughs> it's like, I'm going to ready an action. On, on, on. When he goes to attack one of us, I'm going to be like, nope.
2: Great. Now, about the uh, fight from Jojo's Bizarre Adventures of uh, Dio versus uh, Jotaro and basically, the main villain he basically had the ability of time stop within a certain radius, mm-hmm. and it turned out the main character discovered, "Oh, I have that ability too." Convenient, right? That's plot armor. Okay. Well, to be well, it kind of made sense. So I won't get into the details, but considering that, he, that Dio, stole that power from one of his ancestors.
0: Oh, Dio's a bastard. Um, you have no idea. That's really the last feature you get of this. I think this is really nice. I love the peppering in of the meta magic. I love that you can move on another spellcaster's turn to cast Time Stop. Um, that's really awesome because that's a pretty potent ability. Yep. I would say that if I was to play a character like this, I would do my damnedest. <laughs> I especially
2: in my head pictured me me casting Time Stop. Now I'm going to grade a spell,
0: the spell magic. What?
2: <laughs> <laughs> we can move. Yep. Well, I'm going to cast this spell, the spell magic. But stop
0: it! (laughs) So they, you, they wouldn't get no benefit of time stop except consuming spell slots. I like that. Um, if I was to play a character like this, I think there's a really great roleplay opportunity with your timepiece. Being able to find a way to incorporate it in all your spell casting really seems like the ideal thing to do, whether, you know, you, you click your clock and, you know, you stop, cast stop time or something like that. Or when you get into combat, you, 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 you turn your watch or you flip your hourglass or you open up your pocket watch and that's how you're channeling and casting your spell. Or maybe it's a stopwatch. That would be... Do they have stopwatches in a time like that? Oh, a sundial. Just well, don't let
2: there be no light. Well, there's a <laughs> well, it's a timepiece, so there's no reason for it not to be a stopwatch.
0: <laughs> yeah, I suppose. That's interesting. I like that. And, like, how you adjust it is how your spells goes. Like, you can, you know, spin it so it speeds up a little bit and cast haste on yourself. You know, that makes, I, when I think of time
1: stop, you pull out your pocket watch, you open it, and you put your your uh, thumb over the second
0: hand. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> and he's stopping time. That's awesome. Very literal. Yeah. Doctor I was oh, sa- thinking
1: Doctor Who this whole time. Yeah,
0: Sam says you can get a Doctor Who pocket timepiece uh, as a good prop for the table. I love that idea. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So that'll do it for the Arcane Tradition, the Keeper of Time. That is not from the Midgard's Heroes Handbook, but there are many other really cool um, Arcane Traditions you got to check out. That's actually from the Deep Magic, Time Magic for 5th edition. The other thing that's really interesting about this is um, in the, the Deep Magic, you have access to all these different custom spells, and a lot of which fit with the timekeeping. Imagine that, Time Magic, right? Um, and some of them are as simple as the Quicken spell, uh, which is a cantrip, uh, actually a, uh, uh, yeah, it's a cantrip. Um, so quicken is actually pretty cool as a cantrip. It allows you to uh, cast, uh, and once before you use a sp- the spell ends, you can a target can roll a d4 and add that number to an initiative or a deck save, oh. um, which is pretty awesome. Yeah, you have some other ones such as uh, time vortex, which. This spell destabilizes the flow of time in the target area, subjecting the creatures caught into the vortex to a temporal flux- weight, fluctuations that are visible as a spherical distortion with a 10 foot radius. Each creature within the sphere, when you cast a spell, must succeed a save. Wisdom saving throw, can be affected by the time vortex. While the spell lasts, a creature that enters must also make a, a wisdom save. Once the creature's wisdom uh, saving throw succeeds, it is immune to the effects. An affected creature has to take can't take reactions, and must roll a d10 to start of its turn to determine the behavior of the character, such as (laughs) the creature is affected by the slow spell, or the creature is stunned. Uh, (laughs) The creature's initiative result is reduced by (laughs) 5. That's interesting. It begins its new initiative at the next round. Um, Multiple occurrences can affect the same creature, so it's cumulative. And the creature's speed is half, so you get kind of a a random effect with the... um, the, the time vortex thing every time it begins at the turn, which is pretty interesting. Um, so there's a lot of really good different magical effects um, from Cobalt Press. You can head on over to Cobalt Press website and pick it up. Um, so yes, um, so those are available at Cobalt Press. Definitely check them out if you enjoyed it. Um, so I think that'll do it for our main topic today. yeah uh, Before we move into our fourth and final segment, we have one more gift to give away. Compliments of Smith.
3: Each episode, we will draw another lucky subscriber's name and they will win the best-selling adventure, The Claws of Madness, compliments of Lawsmith. Lawsmith is a small indie team of creative artists who remember exploring the realms together with friends, finding incredible places and meeting colorful characters along the way. They set out to deliver an experience that sparks those lasting impressions that pushed them to create their first standalone adventure, The Claws of Madness. This best-selling adventure is one that you don't want to miss.
0: Ian,
2: who's our winner today? Our winner today is Lost Spectre.
3: When it comes crashing down and it hurts inside. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta take a stand, don't to
0: yeah. Congratulations, Lost Spectre. Um, if you enjoy your adventure, please head on over to Lorsmith and let him know what you think. Leave him a review, let him know what you like, what you didn't like, and help him improve his product moving forward. Moving on to our fourth and final segment, our Unearthed Tips and Tricks, we have first uh, where we bring you new and creative content for you to bring with you on your next adventure. Our first character, our character concept is submitted to us by Adam B. Um, this character, either a bard, multi-class, or an entertainer background, who is heavy into death metal style music, Rock on. looks hardcore, black leather pants, shirt with spikes, and even a spiked dog collar. Unfortunately, when he made his pact with his patron, the only one available was a unicorn. So, what his Eldritch fuck? Blasts are essentially Rainbow Blasts. And all of his other techniques are colored to be fabulous! <laughs> 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 it's just the, the Rainbow Warlock. Um, what do you guys think about this? So, like, if you take the Entertainer background, or um, you can use this too. Um, this is obviously, specifically, I designed for the Warlock. Oh, jeez. <coughs> Um, so this character is likely a, uh, a warlock that's multi-class into Bard or maybe even a background with the Entertainer. Um,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead.
0: Um, of course, Sam says if he ever gains flight, he will leave uh, trails of rainbows. <laughs> I
1: would love to see that because he's just all dressed in black and his old metal head. He throws out the horns and you just see a rainbow will just blast.
0: <laughs> and the same thing when you're playing the guitar or playing one of your instruments, you know, rainbow mu- rainbows are coming out and shit. I think it's just hilarious. Like, maybe even if uh, he's like a pack, if, if he becomes like a, a pack of the chain or something, or, well, th- no matter which archetype he picks, you gotta make the rainbow fit, right? So if it's a cha- pack of the chain, his minion that comes out's like all fucking rainbow stripes and shit, looking fabulous. Maybe just their hair, maybe a little more subtle. Or if you're a hex blade, rainbow <laughs> lightsaber. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> I really think this is a cool concept. I would love to play something like this, this warlock uh, <laughs> multi class. Um
2: Later. You'd be beaten to death for everything trying to associate with
1: heavy metal. (laughs) That's why he makes a pack and all of a sudden, uh, Rainbow Dash from My
0: Little Pony just pops up. (laughs) Well, think about this. If you didn't tell the players this, you just described yourself as this heavy metal guy and you're playing guitar and you're jamming and and whatever. And then you go into combat, you swing on your guitar and frickin' rainbows come shooting out of it.
2: The rainbow warlock.
0: (laughs) like just die, man. Oh, my God. uh uh, sarah uh asks if we've seen the avenging unicorn toy set i have not but that sounds glorious you (laughs) talk about apocalypse ponies um
1: pestilence pony
0: (laughs) (laughs) rainbow pony um so that'll do it for our character concept the rainbow warlock (laughs) um so our monster variant today comes from listener spencer s um (laughs) it is it is known as it it is the magnetic elemental. The origin for this will be the earth elemental. Um, before I get into it, I made some changes, um, to these, um, for balance purposes to keep them within the CR, but I kept a lot of the features in, in, uh, Is close to what he asked and had in mind. Right. Um, But in order to keep it a monster variant and not a custom monster, there was a few change I did make, and I'm sorry about that, Spencer. You had a lot of shit for a a monster variant that just made it way not a monster variant. (coughs) Uh, (laughs) So I had to make a few adjustments on the fly. Please send a letter to the complaint department. (laughs) Jeez. Uh, so thank you for your submission the magnetic elemental is formed of a liquid metal that is continually shifting and moving into a new form the magnetic elemental lives within the deepest darkest dungeons where it is closer to the rare earth metals within the earth the planet's crust tasty you know what this reminded me when I first thought of it what the T-1000 yeah. Like liquid metal and it dun, didn't change dun, sh- dun, shapes dun. and
1: shit.
0: So, the new features you're going to get, there's three new features here. The first one had like six or seven new features. Dang! Yeah, there's a lot. Um, So... Uh the first new feature you get is Unstable Earth. The magnetic elemental draws upon the earth, rare earth metals within the ground towards itself, creating a minor earthquake in a ground in a 10-foot radius. Each other creature must succeed a DC 13 dex save or take 48 bludgeoning damage and wow. fall prone. On a success, they take half damage and do not fall, and the area becomes difficult terrain. Well, that's just, uh wow. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Um, What's the
1: CR of this guy? I don't remember. Yeah. <laughs>
0: if it's an Elemental, it's probably CR-6. Yeah, somewhere around there, 5 or 6. <laughs> the next feature they get is Magnetic Pull. As a bonus action, the Magnetic Elemental can attract metal weapons to its body. All creatures within 60 feet are holding, uh, holding a weapon that is made of metal, must make a strength saving throw of 13. On a fail, the weapon is ripped out of their hands and flies towards the Magnetic Elemental. These weapons are then stuck to the Elemental. Any attacker that grapples with the Magnetic Elemental or makes a melee weapon... Makes a melee weapon attack uh, while at least one weapon is attached. Takes one d4 piercing damage.
2: <laughs> Ginger weapons <whoops> against you. <laughs> Makes his own armor
0: <laughs> unstable influx. The last feature is unstable influx. All weapons come flying off the magnetic elemental in any direction it chooses. Each target, uh, each targeted uh, character within twenty feet must make a dex saving throw uh, of thirteen to dodge and avoid the incoming weapons. On a failed save, the creatures take 2d10 damage or half as much on a success. Increase the damage of the attack by 1d4 for every additional weapon beyond the first attached to the elemental. Wait, d4 or d10? d10. What'd I say? d4. Okay. 1d10 damage for every additional weapon beyond the first attached to the elemental. Dang! Okay, so we got three things we got to talk about here. Part, part of your five. First, uh, unstable earth. I, I personally love this because I love anything that changes the terrain um, and affects all the players. Yeah. I mean, and this is really cool because it can knock them prone. So I kind of envision like the rock, you know, like pillars just bouncing up and down uh, in all these different forms and really shaking the ground around them. Uh, knocking them prone is huge. What do you guys think? That's uh, pretty
1: much what I was thinking. I mean, there's not many ways you can think of an earthquake differently. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you smash the ground and it
0: just trembles and shakes, but I'm feeling like. Pillars are kind of like flying out as it's shaking, you know, and gut rent bunching you and shit. Shake it off. <laughs> Um, and the fact that it le- leaves it as difficult terrain also is a landscape changer, which makes the combat more dynamic, right? Yeah. What do you guys? It because
1: of- the people are affected. Are actually, start their turn in difficult terrain.
0: Yeah,
2: and, and you're prone,
0: and you're prone. Yeah. Which means if he hits you, it's going to hurt like hell. Advantage and shit. Um, what uh, what do you think about magnetic pull? <laughs> oh, you
1: want to use a weapon? Too bad. I wonder if it's only limited to metal weapons. What if the guy's wearing a plate mail?
0: <laughs> <laughs> for mechanics, <laughs> for mechanics, it specifically calls uh, weapons, yeah. weapons. Probably because, you know, for it's, that very <laughs> reason. it's probably lighter than trying to pull a whole guy in full plate. <laughs> but uh, what do you think about the, the weapon pulling?
2: Yeah, that could definitely uh, mess up some uh, melee characters.
0: No, <laughs> yeah.
1: that would just blow
0: well yeah cuz it's gonna you have to go get your weapon well now, it does if you listen to some of our previous player tips carry multiple weapons
1: yeah i was going to say it's uh, it only talks about what they're having in their hand
0: right not what they're wearing maybe that's something that needs to be evaluated then you could do it the other way around something that they're carrying right like all daggers and shit maybe mm. uh sam mentions that maybe this would be an awesome uh layer layer ability i think uh, maybe. i think that would be really cool um with metal stalactites and shit <laughs> Ugh. Oh, that's cool! He says you can foreshadow the the big boss at the end by having you know like uh, the stalagmites made of metal, or even maybe attached with uh, like weapons and shit. Um, I think this is cool because you are disarming the the, the players, um, and that's something that doesn't happen very often. So that will be a bit of a surprise, I would think, um, for all of them to get dis, dis- um uh, disarmed. Disarmed. Then the, that's when the monk gets to shine. He's like, "Yeah." I don't need that shit. (laughs) (laughs) Or a sorcerer. (laughs) Eh, Well, you know, magic. Um, And then, of course, the big one that we're all interested in. What do you guys think about unstable and flux? That
2: can... uh, That damage can add up pretty fast.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it can. The more players there are. I mean, you can theoretically... The only issue I had with this, it says in the direction it chooses. um, And each targeted creature, which means it can target more than one. Yeah. So it sounds like it can focus all of them into one target or hit a bunch of targets and and break it apart. Suck. Um, which I think is interesting. I probably personally would just change this to an AOE where it just blasts it out and sends it out in all directions. But I definitely think keeping in the spirit with this, being able to repel and control their weapons.
2: Well, it actually does say each character within 20 feet. So,
0: well, yeah, I guess if they run away and keep their distance. Of course, if they don't, uh, I think it's not, I think it's very cool um, that the weapon the damage increases the more party members and weapons there are. Yeah, potentially. Yeah, yeah. Which is fantastic. What do you think about running into something like this, Brandon? I'd have to wear my brown pants.
1: <laughs> oh, you're reading? Yeah.
0: Um. Yeah, that's a. Uh, Sam asks, you know, he wants to know why a paladin or fighter and plate wouldn't be attractive. It balance. might just be balance for mechanics, <laughs> it could also be that it's heavier. I mean, yeah. A a fighter in full plate is gonna weigh more and be harder to drag towards you. But I can easily see having an environmental effect that anybody wearing metal every round is dragged ten feet towards the center if they use this use this ability, which could be interesting. Um, it could be an option. So once I again, I can see uh, someone bringing science into this too. Yeah, fuck science. <laughs> a place where you can snap your fingers and grant wishes is not a place for too much science. Well, hot spinning metal creates a magnetic field.
1: So maybe just dousing it with water will solve the problem. Or just magic <laughs> does. <laughs> or just magic. Magic is how it works in D&D. Magic, damn magic. it. Magic. Or you
2: could just bash it to another plane of existence. Oh, god damn
0: <laughs> um, I think this is a great monster. I think this would be an awesome big boss, um, dweller in a mountain type of thing, um, adding the magnetic flavor throughout the entire thing, much like Sam suggested with like, the stalactites with the made either made of metal or... Um, <laughs> Um, the one thing I think is interesting is that it mentions the continually shifting. Every time it uses one of these forms, you should describe it looking slightly different. Uh, which I think would be really cool.
1: Uh, I just thought of uh, one of these guys just, just standing there and also an EMP bomb goes off.
0: You just watch them go flying away because of the magnetic <laughs> pulse. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Ian, do you, that'll do it for our monster variant.
2: For today's encounter, we have the Huntsman. A local huntsman has injured himself or is getting old and needs some assistance as he is unable to tend to his traps. He requires assistance emptying and resetting his traps in the forest area around his home. Helping him now
0: should hold him over till he can hire support or his kid comes back. So we have a guy here who says, I'm too old or I'm hurt and my traps are full For the I need you to clear the traps before the cold rushes in and I can't can't do it no more um or it's not as simple um can you help me yeah what are some things you think that should happen in an encounter like this how would you get the most out of this encounter because there's no really big bad in this at least the way it's written
2: uh, let me see here where i put the trap again
0: ah oh there it is <laughs> looking for traps um we always talk about you know how uh Using a check, should, uh, a, a a a roll from a check should drive the story forward, right? Yeah. If you're a survival check and you're looking for these traps and you roll poorly, maybe you find the trap the hard way. The hard way. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, Brandon?
1: That that's a great way to go about it. Or, or another way is uh, maybe he gives you a map of where the tra- of where some of the traps are, mm-hmm. but he forgot where somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> but. You know, it's like, okay, there's one around this bush, and you look back there, and there's a fucking mountain mine stuck in one of them.
0: <laughs> oh, no, so now this thing's angry and wow. hurt and is caught in a trap. So, uh, if your goal is to bring the creature back, you obviously have to slay it, right?
2: Yep, but it's not going anywhere. You
0: know? <laughs> but it still can be dangerous. Yeah. Um. The other thing is, if you catch something like, say, like a, a lamb. Or a bear. Or a bear. Well, something innocent, like a lamb. What does that mean? There's other predators. Does it draw something while you're trying to uh, you know, free it and you're you're hunting around? Do you you run into a a big other sort of predator?
1: That would be great. You come along and you see uh, you see a goat in a trap and it's going going. And you hear a rumble, then you look down at a little puddle of water and you can see ripples.
0: Um, that, like, like T Rex, you're yes, making, like a, you're making a Jurassic Park <laughs> Jurassic Park <reference. laughs> Um, Sam says, Would you say these are death traps or live? I would say you could do what either or. Whatever you want. Whatever really floats your boat. Maybe a little bit of both. Uh, a little bit of both. Um, I know he meant he mentions anything captured could become prey. Um, I like that idea. Um, you guys are sitting trying to collect these sheep and they're all injured or these critters are all injured and making noises and then all of a sudden <laughs> and a fucking T Rex shows up.
1: <laughs> you just look
0: down and you see that puppy like, fuck. <laughs> um, the other thing I think would be interesting Oh, you is... hear predator clicking. <laughs> <laughs> you can do a predator click for us? You do a really. That's really good. Um, the other thing that's interesting is if they are live traps, uh, as Sam suggested, what kind of comes with that? well, you have to get them all back. If you've got 20 traps full of crit- critters, you now have to either, you have to, you know, capture them and, and herd them around, creating kind of a, a, a an interesting encounter where the goal is to, oh, shit, this one got away. I got to go get it and grab that one. And I come back and three more are missing. And you're doing this kind of uh, treasure bah, bah, hunting, bah, 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 right? Where you got to <laughs> Especially if you've herd a
1: sheep, because then it calls for wolves.
0: Oh, yeah, I like that. Um... And then what happens if you lose some of them? Does the reward go down because you lost some of them in the woods and the the forest? I think, to me, this would be a lot of skill checks. And you can easily add combat. But I think the hilarity comes from it in in the different types of traps. Like, if this was, like, a really crazy guy, like, not so much normal, what kind of weirdo traps could he come up with? What if somebody steps on one that that you get slung into the ground you're hanging upside down with your foot caught in this thing? You know, and then, you know, a mountain lion is kind of, you know, roaming around underneath you while you're hanging from your ankle.
2: Or you step on a trap and that drops an anvil. (laughs) <laughs> oh, God.
0: That's ridiculous.
1: Um, <laughs> it was one of those like, really out-of-place traps where you just step on it, you disappear, and you find yourself teleported 30 feet in the air, and you're just bawling.
0: <laughs> um, what is uh, Ed saying there? The anvil says: uh, What if the big bad is using uh, his age or injury to trap you? Oh! Oh, that's interesting. He could show up uh, when the players go off on their own uh, after uh, an adventure. Uh, that's interesting.
2: That is neat. Oh, that old f- man be a liar. I like to have the most dangerous game, man. Oh, jeez. Um, Team manatee.
0: Overall, <laughs> overall, I really like this encounter. It's simple. It's to the point, and it provides an interesting encounter that's not just kill everything.
2: And although it does prove that you can do a few things with that, so
0: <clears throat> never step in front of a pile of birdseed. Okay. Um. That'll do it for our encounter on the podcast, The Huntsman.
1: Our magic item for this week is the Thoughts and Prayers, Uncommon Attunement, plus one to bonus to attacks and damage, a weapon created by a monk of a holy order. These golden knuckles glow with a radiance, and laid on the knuckles are some un- unidentifiable glyphs. An unarmed strike made while wearing these may have its damage converted to radiant or psychic damage.
2: And the prayer she does is Thoughts and Prayers.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so I actually I think I saw this as a meme where somebody posted some knuckles saying uh, and
2: truth and justice. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's funny too. <laughs> um, it was a meme saying something about some brass knuckles naming them thoughts and prayers as you're beating people with thoughts and prayers, and I just was giggling like a little five year old so much. Uh, in- interesting. Um, so, so what do you guys Yay. think of this? Brass knuckles, named thoughts, and prayers. That
2: deals, like, like radiant damage.
0: Yes. That's B- uh, better than whipping, ain't it? Mark, you guys are never going to let that go. No. no, um, no. <laughs> so the one thing that's interesting about these is it says you may, which means you don't have to.
2: Well, the biggest thing, too, though, is to me is... It increases the monk's versatility.
0: Yes. Um and psychic damage is one of the few that there's not I don't think there's very any there's enemies very, that are immune or resistant to it. There's very few. Um and I can't I personally can't think of any, but uh I thought this was an interesting one. I haven't seen any just like bare knuckle type weapons very often, so I thought this was a really fun one. It's simple and to the point and you can say it really can leave a uh it would leave a really thought uh, a thoughtful impression, maybe. That's bad. I need a better one. Wow, Did you guys <laughs> got anything? It wasn't bad, but <laughs> um, Sam does mention that some things are vulnerable to radiant damage. So, and this kind of, if you're the like the the Keith ball energy ball blasting monk, radiant damage is not going to be that big of a deal because you can just send out blasts of energy anyway. But um, I think it's a really nice one. It's simple. They increase to attack damage and uh, attack uh, attack rolls and attack damage uh, and damage is also really nice. Um, it. Simple and w- would fit a good monk. So if you got a monk that needs a customized weapon, this could be something you could offer to him. Um, that'll do it for our magic item. Our Dungeon Master tip of the podcast is comes to us from DM to DM2 on Twitter. Title your session something relevant to your session itself. When the season or campaign is over, you can post the titles and see a small Snapchat, snapshot of the adventures you have been through. Now, I have done something similar to this, and I will tell you that writing out a title that's somehow uh, based on a major event that happened, whether it's somebody doing a goof off or or something, something that really stands out, it can create a really interesting thing to read through later, because you'd be like, oh, I remember that sort of moment, um, which is really, really fun. And it's a great uh, kick in the ass for when you're trying to do a recap. Now, I haven't done it. Probably since I went to 5th edition. So because I used to have like a book in my 4E thing that kind of came with like a little, uh, you know, title page thing. You can just fill it out. Yeah. Um, but this reminded me that I should do that some more often because sometimes it's nice to have something that you can read that really jars the memory of incidents that happen. And this is a good way to do that. Have you ever done anything like this, Ian or Brandon? No. no. <laughs> That's,
2: That's a good yeah. answer, though. I, what do you
0: guys think about it?
2: <laughs> I can definitely see, see why some people would enjoy that.
0: Yeah. Um, and it's a simple one. Um, it's something that, like I said, I, I did in 4th edition. I haven't done. There's a lot that I used to do that I don't do, because honestly, I don't prep nearly as much as I used to. Uh, it's a lot easier for me in 5e than it was for 4e. So um, Mostly because the combat required so much work. <laughs> uh, oh, I liked it. <laughs> um, but I think this is a really pro tip. Um, and even if you have like a, a running list, like a quest log um, that just sits at the table when your players show up. And then they can read through it themselves and and spark it. Um, Then if you ask somebody, hey, who wants to, you know, tell us what happened last time? A good, you know, title to that uh, adventure that relates to something that happened in the adventure might be a good spark for that, which, once again, encourages or helps with the memory of what happened. Hmm. Helps stick in your mind. So Sam actually says, lol. I Facebook event each uh, each of my sessions and give them all a unique, unique name based on what I expect the players to do. You can scroll through the past events for a similar effect. Very cool. Um, so I think it works um, and something definitely good to do. I like that he uses a Facebook group. That's a really good way to do it because then it you can have uh, – We've talked about it on the uh, show before where you can have like – Use Facebook groups to create like shared conversations between your characters, which is pretty cool. Um, That'll do it for our Dungeon Master tip. uh, Title your sessions, thanks to DM2DM2. Our player tip of the podcast is... Don't be a dick! And you can avoid dickitude by by focusing on your arcane studies. Arcane studies are going to be a small, like, subsection of our player tips where we talk about spell combinations that work really well together. So in this spell combination, it requires two spells... Magic Mouth, and Glyph of Warning. Now, do either of you know what either one of those do? Yep. Yes. Ian, would you like to give us a brief <laughs> description about what each one uses, or does?
2: Well, Magic Mouth is basically like, a, well, it kind of speaks for itself. You
0: <laughs> <laughs> See what you did there? It speaks for itself. God, it's a Magic almighty. Mouth. That's funny.
2: Well, you en- enchant a section. You put a mouth there, and it starts t- t- talking. Usually, pre-recorded messages. <laughs> Something like, hey, come here. I got something good
0: for you. It's really good. What is some the... Beetlejuice. What is the Glyph of warning hey, come here. I got something good for you. So the Glyph of warning gives you a lot of different uh, things you can do, but the most notable one is Glyph of Explosion. It basically creates a magical trap. So now imagine this, if you will, much like Ian just said. The magical mouth can be set to draw enemies to a wall, a statue, a sign, or, or some location, right? Hey, you. Yeah, you. Come here. I got something good for you, and you know, if enemies hear that, you know they're li- liable or players. I guess I would use this as a player. Um, you can set that up to draw the attention of an enemy. Say maybe you put it on a, a, a statue, right? And the statue's talking to them, and they walk up to it. The glyph of warding. Warding. Then you can set the condition or the trigger for the warding. So if somebody's within five feet, kaboom! It blows up. So not only are you setting a trap, but you're setting a lure onto that trap.
2: Hey buddy, I get a for you. Okay, what? I prepared explosives rooms, rooms today. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Boom. <laughs> um, and it's really nice and it's a good spell combination. This isn't something that is meant to be done in combat. It would be something you as the player would have to set up in advance, right? Yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> put it on a mimic chest. <laughs> that is hilarious. You would have to convince the Mimic Chest to let you do it. Wait, what what is the range on Magic Mouth?
2: Okay, range is three feet for Magic Mouth. There you
0: go. So it's a ranged spell, so you don't even have... I'm going to ask you again, what's the range on the other one? I'm sorry. (sighs) I
2: was just on that one!
0: Just go back and forth. It's fine. No,
2: it doesn't work that way.
0: I know it doesn't. It's not super great like that. (laughs) Because if they're both ranged, you really can do it from a distance.
2: Well... Clifford Warp isn't actually range as much as it's a stationary symbol you put
0: put on something. So you have to be near it. Yeah. No. Yeah, okay. Um, but in any case, this combination can be a really potent com- uh, uh, combination, not just yeah. for killing enemies, but for yeah. creating distractions.
2: And it can't be bigger than ten feet in diameter. Well,
0: it's fine. There's, I mean, there's more rules to it, but that basically is the gist of the combination. What do you guys think about this? Kaboom!
2: I, I like Smart. Th- I like luring stuff in the traps.
0: This is a really good pro tip and a great combination of two abilities you probably wouldn't think go really well together. Um, and can, you can get a lot of great use out of it. What was the other effects of the wor- the gl- glyph awarding?
2: Well, there's was like the explosive runes, which we covered, which uh, can hurt a lot. And then there's the spell glyph, where you can store a prepared spell, of third level or lower, inside the glyph by casting as part of the glyph. Okay.
0: So you can store a spell into it? Yeah. So, like, gust of wind or something that knocks enemies back. Like, thunder wave. Like, hey, you, come here. Like, right at the edge of a cliff. Hey, you. Aww. Come here. I got something to tell you. Hey, watch your step. Boom. <laughs> 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 I don't know. It's a lot of fun. Um, we hope you guys will uh, in, uh, use it. You can get a lot out of it. Oh, my God. I got something to tell you. Boom, throw down. Boom, throw down. Dude, that's awesome. Um, Sam says, can't you integrate alarm? Probably. You can probably add. I try to keep it down to two spells, um, mostly because it's a lot of reading and I'm a busy man. Yeah. Um, but yeah, alarm, you could too. <laughs> you could uh, You could say, hey, you, come here, just a little bit closer, a little bit closer. That's it. Though I don't think the alarm actually makes noise. I think it just sends it like a telepathic signal. No,
2: it can make noise. Does it really? Yeah, oh, it can okay. make an awful sound.
0: Anyways, is. I think that'll do it for our player tip of the podcast. Don't be a dick. And you can avoid dickitude by sticking to your arcane studies and using those combos. That'll do it for our show today. Before we close out, we have one more gift to give away. Compliments of Jeff Stevens.
3: It's been a long few days of travel, and the adventurers are tired of eating rations and sleeping on the ground. The road opens to a small town with an inviting tavern. The smells of grilling meat and ale fill their nostrils, and the sound of laughter and music float out the tavern's door. Unlucky for the adventurers, they've stumbled upon Dragon's Breath Tavern. What starts out as a pleasant evening of food, drink, and entertainment soon evolves into an adventure that takes the party into and under Dragon's Breath tavern. The adventure includes roleplay, exploration, combat, and a dice game called Demon Dice.
0: Hey Brandon, Mm. who's our winner today?
1: Our winner today for Jeff Stevens is... Storm
0: Shadow 2400. What's the. Congratulations to Storm Shadow 2400. Um, if you enjoy the adventure, please head on over and let Jeff Stevens know. Leave him a review. Let him know what you like, what you didn't like, and help him improve his product moving forward. So. Thank you so much uh, to Wolfgang Bauer and to Cobalt Press for letting us work through your content. We really enjoyed it. We had a blast. Um, it was really fun. Um, the content you guys have made is absolutely awesome. If you're listening to this show, definitely support them. Uh, head on over to CobaltPress.com or check our show notes for a link. And check out their amazing products. Not only do they have Heroes of Midgard, but they have an entire Midgard campaign setting that is just awesome. And of course, you know they got other uh, additional like spells and stuff through their their deep magic uh, books. So definitely check them out. Um, please join us in our next episode where we hear feedback from you, our heroes. We will be discussing versatile NPCs with Darren Scott. If you do not know, uh, versatile NPCs is a, a nice collection of over 50. Yep. Uh, NPCs that he has written that includes um, you know, almost like monsters with essentially like character class levels and features and stuff and some really unique stuff that is just awesome. Um, and We hope you guys will enjoy it, so definitely stay tuned for that for next week.
2: If you have any feedback, unearthed tips and tricks, or topics you'd like us to discuss, please send them. You can email them to us at craighammy at gmail.com, or you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Crit Academy.
1: We hope you've enjoyed your experience here at the Crit Academy. If you did, you can help others find the show by leaving a hopefully five-star review on iTunes or your platform of choice. Or just send us a message telling us how much you enjoy the show.
0: Be sure to give us a like and a share. You can subscribe to our show at CritAcademy.com so we can help you on your future adventures, as well as be entered to win cool prizes each and every week. You will also find our awesome fellowship members there as well. Um, if you haven't already checked out uh Party Conflict with Gabe and Jeff, they do a great show that's similar. Their entire show is similar to our Let's Talk About Blank segment where they answer your questions, and of course they have the funeral pyre, which is awesome. Also make sure to check out um, D&D Character Lab. Uh, Garen and Dan do an awesome job of creating characters each and every week with great detail and then arguing whose baby is better <laughs> against a predefined set of criteria that they have made. And it is hilarious to listen to. So definitely check it out. Uh, our other Christian Nation Fellowship members, check it out. Orican's Lair, who does an awesome blog. You have Game Master Stash, which is just an awesome Facebook group. Um, so definitely uh, check them all out. I am your host, Justin. I'm your co-host Brandon. I'm your co-host Ian. (laughs) Thanks for listening. Keep your blades sharp and spells prepared, heroes.
1: Woo!